Well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully you're doing well. I see a lot of smiles this morning, partially because you just got to worship God because he's amazing and it was glorious. And a small part of that is because A&M won. So let's just be honest. Hey, you can worship Jesus and be thankful that Aggies won. There's nothing wrong with that. That is completely righteous. You heard it here first. So... But it's not more important for a and to win, just to be clear, everything in its proper place. All right. We were encouraged. We got to watch yesterday, my boys and I, great comeback. Um, maybe it's a sign of things to come here, right? All right. I'm winning more people over to our church right now as I'm talking. All right, guys. Well, hey, um, we're going to dive into something here this morning in just a little bit, but before we do that... You know, these last two weeks, we talked about the Own It initiative. And again, if you don't know what I'm talking about or have not been here, um, something we launched back in February for our church, which really has three core objectives that we are going to be pursuing as a church together, kind of three main goals for our church over the next two years. And it's spelled out like this, to own your pursuit of Jesus, to own your place in his mission, and to own the price of progress. There are three things that we unpacked the last two weeks. You missed it. Go back and watch it. But um, we also have our own it wall that we are putting out that gives you some, some stats and some things about what we're doing. But also, if you haven't gotten one of these, it's a guidebook. It simply just kind of walks you through some scriptures about why we're doing what we're doing, and then also unpacks you a little bit of the history of Antioch and our church and, and really some of the words from the Lord that he's given us and where we're going. Um, and part of this is that we are going to be moving from this location to a future location, our future home, at some point in the near future, God willing. Um, but part of that journey and the timing of that journey actually has a lot to do with us, right? So we are trusting God in the journey but honestly, these three core goals are so significant for us that we are going to take the next two years and tackle them and deep dive into them and work them into our culture so that everybody feels like they are 100% engaged, right? 100% engaged with owning your own walk with Jesus, your pursuit of him, knowing your place in the body of Christ and that everybody actually has a role to play. It's not just for a few. And that we are generous in our giving and generous in giving of our time and our talents and our giftings to the church and to the Lord so that we can move forward together as a family, right? If we're going to be a family, everybody's going to play a part. So that's really what this is about. So we'd love for you to pick one up. And then also, we've got these commitment cards as well, which we talked about last week. We're calling October our Pray, Ask, and Decide month. Uh, and so some of you actually filled one of these out before back in February or March. Um, but uh, we're, we're essentially re-engaging with it. So we would ask you to actually do one again and a fresh one because COVID affected us in different ways. Some people financially, some not. Some have done worse, some have done better. But we just want you to really pray and ask the Lord this month and to decide, God, what is my portion and cup to give to be part of this? Um, and so whether you've done it before or haven't, we'd love for you to engage with us to step in, um, whatever God's leading you to do. And the reason why we're wanting you to actually turn in a card, be it a physical one, one of these black boxes, um, some point in this month of October, or you can go online as well, uh, digitally, you can fill it out there, so that we just kind of know where we are as a church. Because um, if not, we kind of walk in blindly and all about walking by faith. But we've also got to walk together to know, hey, are we together on this thing? Or do we need to kind of broaden the timeline or kind of rethink some things? Does that make sense? So that's kind of our heart there, just so you know. Um, but the exciting thing I want to show you 
is a reveal of the elevation of the future facility. All right? You didn't expect that today. It's kind of fun. And actually, what's really encouraging was to actually have our architect man in the house, Michael, who's up here, who designed this. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> so that's our building. And so we're only going to show you one thing. And again, just to give you a little context, okay? We are, we are a ways out from actually any kind of construction. But I want you to know I've been working on this for over a year in terms of trying to think about the concept, the sizing, the amount of land we have, which is eight acres to work with, which means you actually have to have parking and other things like that. We'll show you that stuff in the future. But we just wanted to show you that this is more or less the concept we're going with. It's not set in stone. No, we don't have all the blueprints or anything like that because honestly, we want your feedback and really the, way, the reason why we're calling it Own It as well because we want you to really own it and have a say in this building as well. So making sense. So we're not just going to say, hey, here it is, so hope you enjoy it. We've actually taken a lot of people's feedback over the last six months in this church about what, what this could be or to t help us creatively think through it. And this is where we're at at the moment. But we want to invite you guys in to see this is the facility we're trying to create. And just to add a, a share a couple things about it. Um, number one, we want it to be something that is timeless, that works, no matter what the fads are. Um, uh, number two... Um, we, we want it to be something that actually is like warm and inviting. And so you'll see later on, I think we're going to have the largest porch in Texas. Um, you can't see it here, but essentially there's a porch that wraps around like the entire front of the building and around the side. It's massive. Uh, there's other spaces we'll show you later about the outdoor spaces that includes like a, a turf area and a plaza and a big kids playground, which our children will love. But we want to create a space so that it's an environment not just for Sunday mornings, but it's an environment for during the week, right? We fully intend to have events going out there on Friday nights and Tuesday nights, and whether it's a, a, a mom's play date deal to a Friday night college kind of worship night to open mic to whatever we're going to do, we want to create an environment, especially where we're going to be situated in this part of town. We will be one of the only kind of venues that are going to be accessible for like an outdoor type of venue type of space. So if you kind of imagine kind of what you experience at a Century Square, just take that and make it better, right? So that's what we're trying to create as an environment for people to say, hey, I actually want to mingle so that you can actually bring people who don't know Jesus, say, hey, just come hang out. We're doing a coffee night or we're doing a uh, whatever, and they get to come, you just get to love on them and get to know them. Does it make sense? So we're creating a space that does work for us on a Sunday morning, that does work for our staff, that does work for us during the week, and for things like our discipleship school and other trainings we're doing. And we're wanting it to be a place that you guys actually want to come hang out at and bring people to during the week, be it a business leader or a college student. Does it make sense? So that's just a first look at it, just so you know. There's more to come in the future. But that's where we're going. Excited? Looks fun, huh? All right. <clears throat> Very cool. Okay, now <clears throat> we're going to do that really awkward thing pastors have to do, which is to transition. Okay, so I'm going to pray. So Jesus, <clears throat> we thank you, and we need you this morning, Lord. Uh, we trust you, and we are just so grateful that, um, that you would meet with us, that even as, as we worship, as we lift up your name this morning, that... Uh, that, that you are so kind to just be present with us. 
whether it's through highlighting a scripture or a word or just through song, that as we praise your name, we know that it's like lifting incense up into heaven. We know that it is, uh, that it is, it is contributing to, to just giving you glory and giving you praise. That's our desire. Lord, we know that you made us, you created us to, to be worshipers. We thank you for that. And Lord, we also know that you made us in such a way that you want to draw us near to you. And so we know that we have the word of God to draw us near. The word of God is here to sharpen us, correct us, teach us, encourage us. And Lord, that's what we ask this morning. We ask that the word would be fresh again, that it would sharpen, it would encourage us, Lord, even correct us in places we need it. For the Lord, we trust you. We know that you are a good, good father, no matter what, no matter what happens in our world or in our society, in our lives, we can look to you and say, God, you are good. So that's where we stand this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, um, in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to attempt to talk about uh, an issue that can be very heavy and very uncomfortable and very challenging, but hopefully what I want you to hear um, on the front end is that um, we're talking about this today, uh, and the next couple of weeks we're, we're doing a couple of standalone messages to talk about some things that, that we need to talk about and we need to bring into the light. Not that they haven't been brought into the light before, but just need to get kind of a fresh perspective and, uh, and, and in many ways to get current as a church about what we believe and where we're at. Does that make sense? So we're talking about racism today, all right? So if you felt just heavy, that's okay. Um, but, but God is good, and he's going to help us today pull together as a family because ultimately my desire today is not really to talk about anything in the media or politics and not really to talk about anything that's going on everywhere else. We're trying to address something going on in here because that, that's what we have influence over, right? Um, and so what, what we want is we want the word of God to speak to our hearts and say, all right, Lord, like reveal to me because I want to go to the next step and being more like Christ, right? And so again, being a Christian means you are a Christ follower. You're a little Christ. And so anything that we are doing or thinking or saying, whether or not we are aware of it or not, we want to be like Christ in the way that we approach and see people. Does that make sense? Jesus was like the best friend of everybody. You know, he, he understood people. He loved them. He got them. Yes, he's a son of God, but he relied upon the Holy Spirit and actually upon him applying the word to his life to show respect and kindness and understanding to people around him. So that's what we're talking about today. Sound good? All right, so here we go. Um, I'm just going to uh, kind of start out by just sharing just a, a couple of things to kind of bring us up to where we are, right? So um, <clears throat> number one, uh, racism is evil, which seems obvious. But I just want to be clear that it is evil in every form. It always has been for thousands of years. There's never been a time when it's healthy or good. It's always been evil. And that racism still exists in our nation and in Brian College Station on various levels, right? Um, and I just want to acknowledge that, that each of the deaths that have involved police officers and black Americans, each of those deaths, they have sparked protest, peaceful and violent, um, this year and over the years that, um, that, that in many ways they've just highlighted a deeper issue that was already being felt. Does it make any sense? 
It's not like, oh, oh my gosh, this is happening. It's like, no, there's something deeper that's been happening for a while. But, but what sparked it, or the powder keg, is the police officer and the black American kind of uh, 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 violence that has gone on and some of the uh, tragic ways that some people have died. But it's not just about the black community and the police, just to be clear, right? I know that we may hear that or you follow social media or whatever. I'm just making it clear that's actually not the main issue, right? There is, there is something there, but that's not the main thing, I don't believe. And, um, and that really the way that, that some of these um, uh, folks have died, that that has become the tipping point for our country to consider, okay, what is the deeper issue that really exists? Amen? Yes. And to say that everyone has, a, everyone has a story and a perspective, right, based off of your own experience, based off your own culture, based off your own color of skin, you have a certain perspective in the way that you see things based off the way that you've been taught. And each of us are going to look at the same situation and see it differently or a little differently or come to some different conclusions or assumptions based off of that culture and that experience. Because you, you can only look at something based off of what you have to work with. Does that make any sense? So if you, only, if you grew up a certain way, whether you're white, black, brown, any other color, any other race, whatever you grew up with, you have to be honest with yourself and say, hey, that's what I grew up with. That's what I have to work with. And so I just want to say for any of us in the room, no matter how you've been brought up, um, where you are at this point in the journey, being adults, is now you have a decision to make, which is, hey, am I going to learn and grow and to become more like Jesus in these days, or am I going to stay stuck in what I was brought up in? Does that make sense? And it's not all of our upbringing is terrible. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that our perspectives are narrow, all of us, and our upbringing because of what we're a part of. Just like we encourage people to get on a plane and go to another nation on a mission trip, it broadens your, your understanding, your perspective, right? You actually stop complaining about traffic as much when you go to somewhere like Jakarta, Indonesia with 30 million people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you think our air is bad, you go to the country, you're like, oh, my gosh, it is terrible. Like, you can't even breathe. To wear, you have to wear a mask without COVID. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, like, you wouldn't have that perspective unless you've gone there. And, like, Wow, so a lot of times having perspective helps you to understand, sympathize, empathize, have compassion, and it also makes you thankful for where you are, right? It's not just about, oh, I'm terrible, I just need to understand that. There is an appreciation for how God's made you and where you come from. So it's a both and. Is it making sense? As we learn from each other. Um, and, you know, in some ways, all of us are unaware <laughs> or I'll use the word ignorant, right, of what different races experience because we're not of that race. And you will never be of that race. I don't, I don't think that's going to change. And so, therefore, it can be hard for us to find ways to relate to people, right, um, uh, simply based off maybe the culture you've been raised in or the culture that you are currently experiencing, right? Um, you know, we, we will see things... Um, we will see things through our culture, right? So, like, just imagine your culture, you got, like, a pair of glasses on, okay? It's like you see things through the culture that you see it through from what you've experienced. And, and, and our culture is very thick. It's very weighty, 
like in this sense, there's like really strong bonds formed within different cultures, not just in America or different races, but all over the world. There's some really deep-seated things. That's just the way that we do it, right? That's just what we eat. That's just how we sing. That is just, that's how we do Christmas. You know what I'm saying? If you can take it to like traditions, you're like, no, no, no. It is, it, you know, 6 a.m. We are out of bed opening a presents. Other people are like, no, no, no. We wait till like noon, right? But you may judge the people like, oh, you're destroying it for your kids. You're like, no, no, no. They all sleep in. Don't judge us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even in the little things, guys, our culture, our traditions are strong. And I'm not saying we need to get rid of those. I, I think those make us unique. I think that's what makes a family feel like a family. You can be the same color skin as another family, but have a total different way of approaching birthdays. And that's okay, right? And our culture, when you are not part of it, or, or seem like you're understanding it, then you will tend to judge something that's not like what you're used to because really it just makes you uncomfortable. You may not understand, right? It may be in the clothing. It would be a classic example, right? We're all wearing different clothing this morning. There's a chance you walked in already this morning and you looked at somebody else and what they're dressing and, 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 and how they're dressed in a split second probably made some sort of judgment towards them. Not necessarily negative, but like, oh, they really like to dress nice. They must fill in the blank. Or, wow, or, I didn't know we walked into a gym, you know? Uh, you, you've, already, you've already done it. I'm just saying what you've already done, okay? All right? Right? Or like, oh, they're wearing a mask. They're not wearing a mask. Right? I'm going to judge them, and I'm going to judge them. I mean, that, hey, we've all done that one. Come on, let's just be honest, okay? So we have a big problem with appearances, don't we? Which I'll just say real clearly, when Adam and Eve were naked, I mean, it was like, hey, it wasn't you couldn't cover up. It was just like they were free in who they were. It's when sin entered the picture, uh-oh, let's cover up. Do you understand what I'm saying? The original intent was fully exposed and okay. Does it make any sense? Sin makes us feel shameful. Sin makes us feel condemned. Sin makes us do this. Sin makes us wonder, question, judge, criticize. Oh, it's so disgusting. That's what it does to us. But God's desire from the beginning, hey, I love you just how I made you. You're perfect in every way, just like that. Parents don't look at the little babies born and they're like, oh, it's like, no, you're beautiful. You're my little child, right? Someone else may say, hey, your kid's got a lot of hair there or, you know, or wow, you know, I mean, but, but you're the parent. You're like, Get out of here. This kid's awesome. Right? I mean, that's how God is. He's like, no, no. That person's awesome. I gave them that skin color on purpose. Who are you to judge? Right? Now, culture is good, right? We want to identify with culture and a group of people, but, um, and, and, and I would say it's good because it allows us to relate to each other, Right? But where it gets off for us as Christians is when we prioritize our cultural identity over our Christian identity. Does it make sense? Galatians 3, 27 through 28. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or and female. 
for you all are one in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is that your allegiance, number one, becomes to Christ. Does your family matter? Yes. Does, does your culture matter? Yes, but not above Jesus, right? She so may ask the question, well, who am I, right? Like, who am I? Well, first, I'm a child of God, right? I'm a follower of Christ Jesus. I identify with Christ first. So when someone says, hey, who are you? You say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, man. I'm a Christian. That's who I am, and I'm proud of that. But beyond that, yes, you can identify as black and white. You can identify as American or Mexican, as an Aggie or a Longhorn. Don't be hissing at him. <laughs> or Republican or Democrat or Independent. It's okay to identify with those groups because ideology, ideologically or culturally, you can relate to them or maybe have some similar interests, right? It's like being, hey, I'm more of an indoor person. I'm an outdoor person. Right, it's like for my honeymoon, we went to the mountains, or we went to the we went to Cancun to resort. Right, it's beach or mountains. It's like you're wrong for going to mountains. It's like what? Why do we do that to each other? Right, you may have a very strong opinion based off your experience or whatever, but like, it doesn't mean they're wrong for going to the mountains. It just means they like the mountains, and you don't understand why. But that's okay. God didn't make you to go to the mountains for your honeymoon. He made that couple to go there. And what if everybody went to the mountains? It wouldn't be a room for you. So it's actually good. We have different preferences. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't want to all be the same. So our identity in Christ has to be the first response to the answer of who am I? And at the same time, we can be honest and say that at times we feel um, the pull, the urge to get in our corner and defend our culture or our upbringing or our way of life. And when we feel attacked or misjudged, no matter what your skin color is or misrepresented or when someone hurts you or criticizes you because of your culture and I would say because of your skin color, all of a sudden that door to evil opens up. And what can happen is we allow the devil in to all of a sudden now make us respond in a way, react in a way that demoralizes us, takes us down a deep, dark slope we don't want to go down. We're all going to get criticized. <laughs> I've been criticized the last three months a lot by some people. And it's been hurtful. But I love what it says in Galatians 3, though. It says um, that, that, that we're clothed with Christ. I was sharing with our volunteers this morning that just this morning, literally, I was getting ready to come up here, and God kind of showed me this picture as I was praying, and the picture was me standing there with a bunch of jackets and coats on. It was like a lot of jackets, like a lot of layers, you know? And what I sensed God saying to me was, hey, that represents a lot of the hard things that have happened this year, right? Whether it's something that someone said to you, misrepresented you, or hurt you, or a difficult thing, that represents that. But then I also heard him say, guess what? You don't have to live with all those layers on. I've given you the power to take the layers off. And it's weighty, right? I mean, you know, when you're like a little kid and it's like, you know, in Texas, it's like 40 degrees, it's like freezing for us. And mom just wants you to layer you up. You're like, mom, come on. You know, just scarf, two scarves, three socks. Come on. I mean, we're not in the north. And you feel, this, you feel like you can't even walk to school, right? And, and honestly, I felt a little bit like, this is hard to like, to like walk, to like move. So this morning, the Lord is like, hey, it's time to take them off. So in my mind, 
I just like started taking them off. All right, Lord, I take it off. So that's a word for you. Take it or leave it. If you feel heavy at all, you feel weighted down by just layers of stuff. Right? Could have been really hard things. Man, God's saying, guess what? I came to take those things off. Jesus came to set you free. Set you free from that pain. Set you free from that hurt. We sang the song, Bring Restoration. He came to restore you, to make all things new. Amen? And so where does race fit into all this, right? Um, there is a cultural identity for sure amongst races, and you have to remember that God is the one who created different colors of skin, right? So God created different colors of skin. Even within different races, there are different shades of skin, different pigments. I don't understand the science behind it, but it's just the way it is. Okay, we have different skin colors all over the world. There's all different shades. That was God's design. And so when we feel judged or criticized or experience bias and prejudice because of the fact that we are a certain skin color, that is very painful and hurtful. And in our nation, what is being brought to light is that many in the black community and many in the Hispanic community and maybe in the Asian community and the uh, Indian community, like across the board, essentially everybody who's not white, those would be considered minorities in our country, right? So when you are the minority, you already feel outnumbered. That's just the way it is. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like going to the life group and there's 20 girls and two guys. You're the minority. You feel outnumbered. And by the way, we need to get those ratios more balanced around here. Just so you know, two days with men. That's my next plug. All right? We give you coffee and donuts sometimes. Come on. But, um, but when you feel like you're a minority, you automatically feel like, oh, man, we're outnumbered. So just imagine for a moment, if you're a white person like me, Imagine if you were black or Hispanic or Indian or Asian. Or what? Imagine if your skin color, you were not from, from Europe. You're, imagine that. You may feel outnumbered at times. Maybe not all the time. You know, maybe your high school, there's only a few white people there, right? Or maybe your high school is all white or whatever. But if you're the minority, you have to understand you have to feel the reality of hate. That makes it more challenging because you're outnumbered. Everybody's nice. You're outnumbered. But what's true, though, is that there is a deeper issue that is happening, and it's been very painful and hurtful. And many of the black communities, specifically we're talking about today, have experienced and have felt from white people, and I will use these words as quotations from people I've talked to recently who love Jesus, by the way, and um, are committed to their families. They honor God. I love them as brothers have even shared things with me and saying um, what it can feel like or has is that the deep-seated issue going on that, again, that the police and the, and the black desk kind of highlighted, the deeper issue is this, um, that as a black person, that what they feel or experience on some level is that white people see them as less than, prone to lawlessness, more immoral than a white person and that you can't trust a black person as much as a white person or the most hurtful thing is that black equals bad. If you go talk to a black person, they may share some of those comments. They may not agree with all those, but that exists. 
enough. It exists enough. I'm not saying every black person in America feels that or experiences that, but there are enough. And enough of them that actually really love Jesus and love the church and are committed and, and, and live life with other races. They're not just, and that's what they feel. So we have to validate that on a level and say, hey, wow, that would be hard. If it's, it's one thing to say, well, the way that I talk or my style of clothing, that can be hurtful. But it's another thing to say, no, wait, wait, how God made me, like literally I can't change this. And you are saying that's not good. I mean, that's what's hurtful. Do you understand? That is where racism hurts. That is the deepest place. Why? Because it's a direct attack on your identity. Do you understand me? It's a direct insult on how you are made. It's not about how you talk or the food you eat or what neighbor you came from. Those are secondary issues. The main issue is that as a person, I feel like people see me as less than. That is really hurtful. And I am learning this as well. And so I'm, I'm saying that so that we're on the same page. Because that is a deep problem that is prevalent enough in our nation here in 2020. And at Antioch, I just want to say that for us, we'll use the phrase where you become family, and we really mean that. But we've got work to do. Was anyone raised in a home with siblings where you weren't nice to each other all the time? Yeah, all of you. If you didn't have siblings, you had cousins. I know you were mean to them. I know you took someone's Lego or toy or something. You took their doll. Or if you're a brother, you cut your sister's Barbie hair doll off. I know. All right? It's like, whatever. Like, okay, so we're a family. Right? But sometimes we expect, oh, the family to be perfect. We're not perfect. We love Jesus who is perfect. We are all a work in progress. So wherever you are today, we're gonna, we want to take a step as a people towards acknowledging and understanding the deeper heart issues before we can go in and start changing things. Does that make sense? It's kind of like if we can't acknowledge, hey, there's a real problem, then we can't do anything. And again, I just want to be clear, the majority of of people in our church, they're from the black community, okay? Majority of them I've talked to, I have not heard them say that people at Antioch are racist. They have not experienced racism here that I'm aware of, okay? Um, uh, but at the same time, it's still challenging for any minority and predominantly white church to feel like that they can belong and be part of it with, with, without feeling like someone's super awkward around them. Does it make any sense? So, like, listen, if, if you've been awkward around someone who's not your same skin color, just work on it. Just, hey, man, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because it's culture. Like, appreciate, learn the culture. You don't have to become that culture. Do you understand? Like, it's okay for you to retain your culture, but it's not okay to do this and judge. Right? And at times, you need to go share a meal and eat with someone else each or go to their house or experience something that they experience so that you can learn to understand people. By the way, the model for this of how to bridge that divide, I'll tell you, it's, it's a name, Jesus. He was really good at this. Everybody else is like, you can't meet with him. You get talked to, you know who that guy is? And they're like, that's cool, we're going to have lunch. What? You can't heal him. You know what he's done? No, he's healed. What? Just, everybody's like, their circuits are blown. Jesus was great at bridging that racial divide. Oh, because he was there in the beginning. He was there. He's 
install, and they just finished the blueprints for you. Oh, she's going to look good. Oh, yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's, oh, that's a winner right there. Billions and billions of times. So at Antioch, we don't want this to be part of our house, and we don't want to tolerate it. So this is for us as a family to say, hey, let's be accountable. And so when someone says something that's a cutting thing or a judgmental thing or a critical thing or anything racial, just say, hey, man, we don't do that. Call them out. I mean, that's, that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. We're here to sharpen each other. Does it make sense? Do it in a loving way. You're not sharing the person, but just say, hey, come on. We can't talk about that. Does it make sense? We've got to be able to stand the gap for each other. And, you know, it's on a practical level. It was when a lot of these issues were really just front page every day. I think it was back in July. I had my son Ethan stay up late with me one night. I said, all right, buddy, I'm gonna, we're going to watch a movie called Remember the Titans. And um, he'd never seen it before. And I think it's like the 20-year anniversary this month since the movie was made or something like that. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie, really. But we watched it, and we watched the night. I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to explain some things to you. We're going to pause the movie along the way, and we're going to talk about some stuff. And it was great because Ethan had, he didn't know about racism. He didn't know about what happened in segregation. He didn't know. But he got education that night, and it's football, and it's a fun movie, but, like, it was really helpful. And we were able to talk through things. And he was like, Dad, why are they treating them like that? Right? And I'm like, well, this is what that culture was. And so they had to work that through. And we were able to talk it through and to see the progression in that story of a football team gelling together in the midst of a, a white, black integration of schools and the challenges of that, you know. But, and I know it was a lot more severe in many ways, truly. But at least it exposes, says, hey, this is how, like, in, in, in the movie, it depicts essentially guys of uh, black or white get to know each other. You know, I, I think, I think at, 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 uh, at one point, the head coach, Denzel Washington, is like, all right, someone tell me something about, their, uh, you know, about one of their teammates that's of a different color skin in the lunchroom, and everyone's like, quiet. And he's like, one guy shares one thing, and then no one else has anything to share. And he said, all right, great. Well, from here on out, we're going to be doing three days to everybody on this team gets to know something about everybody else on the team. Then what happened? The issue got forced. You don't want to do three days. I mean, because yeah, those are long days. So they're starting to talk to each other, you know, and it shows, the, it shows them having the hard, uncomfortable conversations for the first time both ways. But it bridges the gap, and they unite as a team. We're not a football team. We're a church. We're the people of God. And Jesus is our guide, and he's the great one at pulling us together. Does it make sense? So that's what we're trying to do as a church family. To wrap it up here in just a few minutes, but I want to share a couple other scriptures with us. Um, you know, back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know, images are reflections, right? And, um, and that's where we're crafted to be. We're crafted, we're handmade by God to reflect his image, to give him glory, to reflect who he is. And all of us, all of us can grow in seeing people as God sees them. We can all grow in that. Because if we begin to see people as God sees them and see them as created in his image, even though they look different, sound different, talk different from a different culture or whatever, then all of a sudden we, we cut through the appearance and we see the heart, which is what Jesus did. He cut through the appearance and all the out and said, no, that, that's, that's okay, but this is what I'm after. 
I'm after the heart. And at Antioch, again, we believe our main identity is in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Which means your old life, when you come to Christ, that passed away, and we enter into a new way. Which, again, means that rather than associating as Republican or Democrat or Independent or Black or White or American or Mexican or whatever else, that we identify with Christ first and foremost, yet not minimizing or moving those cultures. But the, la- the last things I want to share here is before we go into ministry time is just, again, getting back to, okay, there's, there's a deeper pain that people are feeling. We talked about that. But, but, but where does this racism come from? Right? Like, where does it come from? I believe Romans 1 speaks to it. It says, um, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Before that said that actually all of creation could know that they would know that God is present. He was there. But, But it says that their foolish hearts were darkened. Then you go down a few verses later. Right? And, and again, I would argue that racism exists because there's evil in the hearts of men and women. It exists because there's that evil and it festers and grows. Romans 1, 20-32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Do you hear that? He gave them up like God, they didn't acknowledge or honor God, so he gave them up to a debased mind. Right? To start thinking weird things and start making assumptions about different people and doing different things. And he continues on. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, Ruthless. I mean, wow. There's, there's 21, by the way. That's a lot. That's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That happened because although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. What does that mean? That means they did not obey him. They did not, they did not view him as they should, nor view his creation as they should. So therefore, he said, okay, you're giving up to a debased mind, which means your mind goes crazy and does crazy stuff. When your mind goes crazy, your body's presenting crazy stuff, and next thing you know, we've got a crazy society, right? It says, though they knew, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, they give approval to those who practice them. Man, <laughs> I was not around in the last few hundred years. I was born in 82, but... I mean, people are giving approval to doing the same thing in cultures without putting a stop to it. All right, it's like locker room talk. Um, whether you talk about race or men or women or different people, it's like, man, that's not Jesus. It's just not. I expect that from the world because because they've been given over to a debased mind. Until you turn to Jesus, your mind's just going to go worldly. I expect that from a broken world. I do not expect that, nor do I think God does from the people of God. Once he's rescued you out of darkness and the light, he's given you a new mind. 
a fresh start. You don't have to live in the past or what that was. You can do it fresh. Does it make any sense? That's who we are. We do not want to be futile in our thinking or foolish or have the foolish hearts, right? And in James chapter 2, 1 through 9, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved, he's talking to Christians by you, just so you know. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man and not the rich, the one, and, and are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Guys, racism, judgment, prejudice, criticizing, bias, I don't care what it is, but certainly when it comes to our skin color, it's the sin of partiality. You're, you are giving favoritism over one over another simply by the way that God made them. Does it make any sense? That's what we've got to remove. And we can't change everything out there right now. We're trying to do something here. I want to invite the band up because um, as we close this morning, I want us to go and stand. And, uh, how, you know, how we're going to respond is inviting the Lord in this morning just to help us take the next step and to say, okay, Lord, like m maybe where, where have I engaged in the sin of partiality, right? Like, and, and I would argue, I think we all have on some level. And again, this isn't to condemn or shame anybody, but it's to make us aware because we want to be more like Jesus. And golly, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I had a lot of work to do. And it just like happened. I'm just this perfect kid now. A lot of problems. But God is a merciful, graceful, patient God. Praise the Lord. He's going to be merciful and patient with us. So you don't have to feel condemned about what you did or haven't done or your culture. There may be some places to repent in your heart and change. But man, as a family, you know what we can do? We can say we can look at anyone. If it's skin color, male or female, young or old, whatever their clothing is, all those things, guess what? We're trying to look inward at the heart and see as God sees. Not look at the outward appearance. I love what it says in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. If you remember, Samuel was a prophet chosen by God to go and find the next king of Israel. Saul was a king and he was a terrible king. And so God said, Samuel, I'm going to show you the next future king who's going to be the greatest king ever of Israel. So he shows up to this farmland and meets this guy. He says, hey, you got some sons here? And he said, God told me I was supposed to find the next king here. And he rolls his sons out. Samuel goes one by one. He's like, is this it? This guy looks pretty sharp. 
God's like, nope. Oh, this guy's pretty strong. Nope. Seems nice. Nope. 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 He's like, hold on. Did I mishear God? Sir, you got any more kids? Ah, we got one. He's young. He's scraggly. He's up there at the sheep. Why don't you send him on down here? Comes down. Boom. God says, Samuel, that's him. But the Lord had said, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We want to see as God sees. We want to see people as God sees them. You don't have to forget the color of their skin, but you can appreciate it. I'm not asking you to blur the lines. I'm asking you to look at someone and say, hey, I can appreciate that you're black or that you're white. I can appreciate that you have a culture that means something to you. But I also know that the trump card and all that is that I look at you and your heart and I say, I want to see you as God sees you. Because that's how he's called me to be as a follower of Jesus. We no longer look at the outward appearance. We look at the heart. Amen. So that's what I pray for this morning. I just want to give us a chance to respond this morning. You can stay where you're at if you're watching the stream. Just to respond this morning. And I just want us to have done this a couple weeks ago. But just felt like we didn't do it again. Put your hand over your heart this morning. Because really, guys, when we talk about racism, we're talking about a heart change. It starts here. And then, yes, it flows out into practicals and helping with things in our society and culture that are off and wrong. But if we can't get it here, we just don't have authority out there. So, Lord, we just ask this morning, would you help us to see the heart in people? Would you help us to see beyond the culture, the things we don't understand, but to see them as a person, as an image bearer of a holy God? Even if they don't know you yet, even if they don't know who you are, God, we can know, hey, no, no, God created them. God created them for a purpose. God created them to know him. They just don't know him yet. Maybe I could be the bridge to help them know who Jesus really is, to know that they are special, unique, and loved just the way they are. Lord, let it be said of us that this is a safe place. (laughs) This is a place where people can be family and work out our differences, but to appreciate one another exactly the way that you made us. That's our desire this morning, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart. Let us see as you see, we pray. Amen.